It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What, if anything, can or should the Brooklyn Nets do with Ben Simmons? Are we looking at a lost season? Are we looking at a lost just timeline for this situation in general? Is there anything that can salvage what's happening on the court with Ben Simmons this season or going forward? We're going to break it all down right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Doug Norrie, sitting here solo for Wednesday's podcast. No Adam Armbrecht. That dude put in some heavy lifting around the trade deadline, taking a much-deserved little in-week break following the loss to the Knicks. That's okay. We're going to roll this one solo. Plenty to talk about. I'm the owner of uh, DFSR.com, by the way. If you need some projections for FanDuel or DraftKings, go check over at DFSR.com. Got you covered over there. Appreciate you making Locked On Nets your first listen of the day. Here to let you know today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. That's PrizePicks.com, promo code LOCKEDON. All right, Wednesday, Brooklyn Nets. Here we go, Ben Simmons. It didn't take long after the Knicks game for Ben Simmons to become another uh, national talking point for what was happening with his game on the court. I mean, and then by extension, maybe off the court as well. And one would have thought maybe, you know, the Kevin Durant trade out of out of uh, Brooklyn would have just started to alleviate the pressure. Kyrie Irving being traded would alleviate the pressure from the Ben Simmons situation. The team's no longer championship contenders the timeline and the trajectory of the team are just totally different now maybe we're looking at a situation where ben simmons could start to maybe thrive again look we're, there were times during this season where that was clearly the case it looked like a decent fit alongside katie and Kyrie, and the team was you know reeling off wins there was a time in the season where things were starting to look good but it hasn't taken long post trade deadline to start to get an idea of what is happening or not happening with Ben Simmons on the Brooklyn Nets. It came out a little in the post game. Jacques Vaughn had some quotes that we'll get into, uh, you know, shortly about what he said about the Ben Simmons situation uh, here in Brooklyn. And like I said before, it's become something of a national talking point now where the, you know, some of the big players in the media world are beginning to, talk and maybe this is the last sort of talking hurrah about Ben Simmons and his game and what's kind of not been happening did make some of the rounds about what's happening here and the situation could be headed for possibly you know a basketball tragic ending you know not a real life tragic ending but a, a in a basketball parlance like we could be headed for something really bad and that's because what's happened 
sort of after the trade deadline and with this new group of players that the Nets brought in from the Kyrie Irving trade and from the Kevin Durant trade, Ben Simmons has not been part of this plan even a little bit. In the last two games, he's played 16 minutes. Uh, he played 16 minutes against Philly. Uh, well, let's just go. We'll go all the way back to the, the seventh because that's where he comes back from injury. Uh, they play Phoenix uh, on the seventh. He plays 27 minutes, scores 2.6 assists, four rebounds. Then on the ninth, they play Chicago. He uh, plays 20 minutes. He scores. He goes for eight points, eight rebounds, four assists. Now, when we start talking like real after the trade stuff, this is Saturday where they start to get the full look team for the first time uh, in Philadelphia. This is when Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson make their their first starts. Uh, Simmons plays 16 minutes, scores four points, three assists, three rebounds. And then Knicks uh, on Monday, he plays 13 minutes, two points, three rebounds, two assists, takes two shots. And this is where the conversation starts to happen. We're seeing a, a clear downward you know, move in terms of his minutes. Jacques Vaughn has been asked specifically about what it's going to look like going forward. And now we are in a situation where we have to just really start thinking about the long-term ramifications of having Ben Simmons sort of on the team and what it means for him to even be on the team, because this is headed in completely the wrong direction. And if you look at this point, I hate to pick on Simmons in the sense that like, it's very, very obvious what's happening. You don't need to watch much of the basketball game to know that what's happening on the court, at least in its current iteration is not good. This is not the Ben Simmons of old. It's very, very far removed from that. Yes, he's you know a few months from post-back surgery. I think that's definitely a part of it. I think there's other sort of probably you know mental aspects of the game and what he does and doesn't want to do that is also part of it. And it's becoming more of a talking point. And things become a talking point of a guy like Simmons when you factor in money. Like this is always the discussion, always the the we have to ground ourselves in contracts and money when we talk about talent in the NBA to some degree, because, you know, there's sort of finite resources that a team can spend on players. If a outsized amount of money is, is locked into one player and that player's not playing anywhere close to the actual contract, then that's going to be a major discussion point because it inhibits what the team can do elsewhere on the roster. When $35 million is applied to Penn Simmons, you know, in terms of the overall salary cap this this season of the 157 million that the Nets have spent, 35 is going to Ben Simmons. Next year it's going to be 37, really 38 million. And then 2024, 2025, it's going to be north of 40 million. This is why we talk about Simmons. If we if the money wasn't attached, there's two things that are true. One, Simmons would not be playing at all. Um, I think that's very, very clear. There was there's been multiple examples of just if any other player did some of these things on the court, it would be a pretty easy hook um, for that player. Like, I think that that's not a hot take. I think that, you know, to some degree, especially recently, because he's Ben Simmons and not because he's Ben Simmons, the basketball player is where those minutes have even come from. Like we saw a few examples of this, even in the Knicks, right? Like, and I hate to go like tape stuff here because there are enough examples, but passed up an open dunk when he had uh, Claxton sitting in the dunker spot. One of those head scratching moments where he clearly doesn't want to shoot uh, short arm, the ball near the rim on a turnaround. Okay. It happens. He's still kind of like trying to figure things out. I thought the worst one was he had a rebound, had what was a smart outlet pass 
to Royce. O'Ne- I think it was Royce O'Neal who was on the break. The ball didn't quite get there. Okay. I, I, the aggressiveness was good. Josh Hart intercepted it. The problem was what happened next is that Hart comes down and Simmons, who is not the only one who's to blame here, but was the closest to the basket when it happens is basically Matador's defense and Hart just goes right through the rest of the team like a knife through warm butter and dunks the ball, you know, effectively ending the game though the game was over to that degree. So when things are showing up on film that are very, very damning, when you have the money as it is, where it is with Simmons as it is right now, and you have the minutes on a decline, yeah, this is going to be a story. And whatever the the reasoning or the what's happening with Simmons, what the reasons are are for it, again, if he was a $2 million a year player, we would not be having this discussion. It would be over. He wouldn't be playing. They would just go and find other solutions out here. It's because you look at the past situation with Simmons you know, in what he had been in the past and plenty of videos have made their made the rounds on in the Twitter sphere today of just sort of old highlight reels, wondering sort of what's happened to him. Uh, When you come, when you combine the old version of that, plus the money, plus like the dream on maybe what the upside could be in the future. Yeah. You are going to end up talking about Simmons and the nets are in an impossible spot here. The nets are in a really, really tough spot about what to do. We'll go through some of the options here in a second. We'll also look at just, just, kind of refresh ourselves on some of his numbers as well going forward and make some predictions about sort of like maybe how the rest of this plays out for the rest of the season. But as of right now, the Ben Simmons situation is looking pretty, pretty grim uh, in Nets land. Going to get into all the rest of that in a second. But first, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you're doing on Prize Picks is you're making entries. You're going more or less on their player projections. You pile those together, and you can win some real money. Prize Picks has figured this out. They want to make it really easy for you. They don't want you wrestling with salaries. They don't want you messing, wrestling with just like other sharks in the water that are out to kind of pick you off because of the algorithms and stuff like that. No, no, no. All you're doing on Prize Picks, you're picking two to six players. You're figuring out if they're going to score more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on and the entry, not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. If you're in the NBA, you can you can do a couple of things. You can either just go more or less on the points, more or less on the assists, more or less on the rebounds, but you can also kind of pile those together. You can find a player, you know, this one's going to be a little dated by the time you hear this, but you have right now where you can go Giannis uh, 52 more points plus rebounds plus assists in the game against Boston without uh, Jason Tatum. I like I like that one. Let's see how that one holds up. Derek White, same kind of thing. No Jason Tatum, no Jalen Brown. 31 and a half more points plus rebounds plus assists. Let's see how those ones hold up when we check in on the podcast later. Go over to Prize Picks. You download the app or you go to prizepicks.com. Your first-time users are going to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, Prize Picks will give you 100. Deposit 50, Prize Picks will give you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, some of the other stuff that we got going uh, with Simmons here. We'll break that. Look at a little bit at the numbers, although you know you know how this goes, and this has kind of been the story all season. We know the usage rate is in the toilet. We know that how this, some of this stuff has kind of gone for him. We know that there were times where this was looking okay as a complimentary piece to KD and Kyrie, although you know it's not that hard to be a complimentary piece to guys with that skill set because the pressure and the burden of uh, the burden of talent is significantly taken off anyone that plays in lineups with those guys because they're just so, so good. That being said, the combination of those three did look good at times. They went on a nice little, a nice little really great run in the middle of the season where it looked like, you know, this team was headed on the championship path. We know that it's been completely and utterly dumpstered since then, but there was a time when this was looking okay and where Simmons's game and the deficiencies in his game weren't as glaring because again, when you share the court with those superstars, the lift is going to be much, much lower. But look, we go back to December and he was, you know, averaging 25 minutes a game, six rebounds, six assists, a little more than seven and a half points. That's low. He went through a double digit scoring run uh, in November where he was like, you know, 20, 14, 11, 22, 15, 11. And you're kind of thinking, Okay, we can get to this. If you, I mean, it's so easy to forget now, but you go back to Memphis back on November 20th, played 35 minutes, dropped 22, 8, and 5. The game before, he was 15, 13, and 7 against Portland. If you remember uh, that win on the road against Portland, which was a nice, uh, that might have been the Royce O'Neal buzzer beater uh, where they won. But so we're going through this time where things are looking good. The problem with Simmons is and sometimes this is like how you had to treat a lot of the nets uh, just history in general is that you get stuck looking in the past too much. And it's very difficult to remember some of that stuff because what's happening in the present looks really, really rough. And if we believe it's just a back issue and we believe it's just, you know, still working back to getting the back and the knees and everything, right. You, there is a world where you can, I think, and you have to really squint, but I think you can, talk yourself into it. Now the Nets might be in a situation where they have to talk themselves into this situation because, you know, they're just kind of stuck here. The problem is that the Nets aren't even trying to talk themselves into it at this point, right? Like, so even if there was a world where we could maybe still dream on some of the upside, still dream on the fit with Simmons plus spacers, right? Like Simmons plus Dinwiddie plus Mikhail Bridges, uh, you know, maybe you want to throw Cam Thomas in there, uh, Joe Harris. You know, they have Seth Curry. They have other spacers. Yeah, that would be there would be some defensive problems. Maybe you see DFS as being able to hit enough three pointers around him as well. You're like, OK, Simmons plus some wings, maybe one on ball creator. We'll get out into the open floor, really cause some havoc on defense. I can see it. Like, I, I think there's a world where that kind of lineup could make sense, not on a championship team, but on a kind of see what you have team. I think you could you could talk yourself into it. So you, you can talk yourself into that. You can look back at some of the past numbers and say, okay, I can sort of see it. The problem is the Nets are not doing that themselves right now, as evidenced by 
what's happened recently with these minutes and with Jacques Vaughn kind of just being asked directly about it and talking about the now challenges of playing Simmons. And I don't know if this is a retroactive piece, what Vaughn said around like just trying to explain it or laying the groundwork for you're not part of the future and we don't really want to see what else is happening here because with the inj- with the Simmons discussion, especially where Vaughn is concerned and he's the sort of the mouthpiece of what's happening organizationally, Vaughn did say, quote, you put another big next to Ben, then you have to figure out what the spacing is around him. Then if you put another playman next to him, you have to figure out what Ben looks like without the basketball. He's getting specific into like sort of the problem areas of trying to play Simmons with some of the other talent that they have. Now, you say to yourself, well, he's the coach. It's his job to figure it out. I would agree with that. Like it is Jacques Vaughn's. If you think, if you are believing in the Ben Simmons experiment and you're believing in what Simmons has sort of upside or what he still possibly has in any bag that exists for him now, then it is on the coach to try to figure out what those you know situations look like. And I would say the Nets have a team now where there should be kind of patience around that if they are realistic about what you know the ultimate goals are here, like are they a championship team now? No. Are they a team that could win a first round playoff series? Unlikely. So at that point, you know, in some ways I would like to hear this quote a little differently from Jacques Vaughn and say, hey, we'll live with some of the downside to try to get this guy back into the mix and back doing what it is that he does really well. When he says quotes like this about how hard it is to find fits for Simmons, And we've heard about some of the frustrations that he had said or some of the conversations that uh, Vaughn had talked about beforehand, before this quote, where he had said something along the lines of, you know, you know, in the future, he'll just appreciate that I'm honest with him, which is like code word for we had a really hard conversation that Ben Simmons did not like related to how much or little he was going to be playing going forward. And so not only are they not saying these things, and they're not putting anything like this into practice, at least in the short term. There's no mention of really the injury being an issue here. Like there's other opportunities to say, hey, we're working back from injury. You know, we're still, you know, the knees and the back. And this is what we're working on. There are other opportunities to sort of uh, put lipstick on the pig to some degree and say, well, these are the reasons that, you know, the, the situation is working out. But there's no effort to even do that. The effort is gone from even what the what possibly could be the reasons that Simmons is no longer on the court. It's really just like he doesn't fit. It's not working. He's got to hear it. We're going with other guys. And that's kind of what we're doing going forward. And if you're a Nets fan, like this is really tough to hear because what this really sounds like and what this is starting to look like is we've given up like we, the team, we, the organization have given up on trying to fix this, whatever the reason, whether it's like the coach, he doesn't want to take the coaching or like the skill set's just too far behind, or he's just so far behind in his game right now, or it's just like, we just want to see what other guys, you know, can do. Like this does sound very much like an organization that is beginning to move on from Ben Simmons. And that, is going to look pretty weird. (laughs) Like that's going to really might be look that and look, things change, man. This team was a championship contender two months ago and we were doing complete and utter victory laps, how great they were. And now Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are gone and it's all starting over. So I'm totally in the world where 
you know, this stuff can just change, right? Like two back-to-back great games and he's right back in the lineup and we're singing a totally different tune. But it does start, it is starting to very much sound like the organization could be just either not loving the long-term prospects and the short-term prospects, seeing this situation as maybe unsalvageable. I'm putting words in their mouth. They did not say that, but I'm just kind of going off what some of the feel we got going on here is, um, or possibly looking to try to trade for 10 cents on the dollar. If that was even possible in the off season, uh, which, you know, a few little rumors kind of trickled out around, uh, around whether or not that was even a possibility. The situation is gearing up to be uh, possibly ugly. I don't know if we're looking at a repeat of the Philly situation. It's definitely on the table. And the reason I say that is because it already happened once. And when something happens once, you can at least put it on the table that it could happen again. But we're looking at that kind of situation. And we'll talk about this in a second. But it does get a little complicated with what the options are, even with, you know, best or worst case scenario with Ben Simmons going forward. Before we get into that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, you don't want all the fat and all the calories. You have to try Built Bar. Look, we're post-holidays. We're trying to set goals. We're trying to eat right. We're trying to get healthy snacks, healthier, just in general. Built Bar is there to help you with a protein bar that actually tastes good. This is what they figured out compared, compared to the competitors. They focus, on, they focus on the taste. They cover these things in 100% real chocolate, and they backed it up with the stats. If you want the flavors, churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. If you want the stats, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, just 7, or excuse me, a whopping 17 grams of protein. Don't want to undersell that. You can find them at Built.com. You can also find them at Walmart, find them at Sands Club. Pick up a four box of the cookies and cream. Grab the double chocolate. Grab the coconut puffs. Like I said, head on over to Sands Club. Head on over to Walmart or go to Built.com and you'll thank me later. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, what are the options for Ben Simmons moving forward here? This situation, if it were not to resolve and we were in not to kind of figure out that Ben Simmons could start playing like even 70% of the old Ben Simmons, if it continues on this trajectory um, and it's not health-related, like what are the options for the Nets? I already went over the contract, uh, the contract where it stands now. Just to reiterate, $35.5 million this year. You know, this season's a wash. He's going to be on the team the rest of the year. $38 million next year, $40.3 million in 2024 and 25. There were reports that the Nets would consider thinking about a trade for him in the offseason. I actually don't even know what that would look like. 
Like, you know, if you want to find comparable contracts that were albatrosses for the team uh, that the guy was cur- the guy was currently on, we've seen many examples of this in the past. Most recently, obviously, Russell Westbrook uh, is was this where the Lakers were going to have to attach a pretty nice asset, at least, you know, in, a, in an unprotected first round pick, possibly more, uh, depending on who they were trying to get back just to get Russ Westbrook out the door, which they effectively did. And then who knows, as of right now, I don't think they've actually figured out what his role, if any, or if he's going to get bought out, what's going to be happening in, in, in Utah. These contracts are, cannot be traded. Like these contracts, I mean, I guess they can, but think about other contracts that were sort of negative value for the team when you ranged up to this amount of money. Kevin Love comes to mind. Right. Like we talk forever about Kevin Love going to get traded. The contract was crazy. Like it was kind of done in that post championship run with LeBron and then LeBron leaves. And all of a sudden that contract looks, you know, super dicey. He's on his last year, but now 29 million. He's on the bench with the Cavs. They never traded him. And, you know, whether how actively they were trying to do it. It's, it's unclear, but I think there were times when there, those calls were definitely put in to see if they could get off off that money in any way, shape, or form, and they just weren't able to. So we've seen examples of these contracts in the past. They are very, very difficult to move. You are going to have to attach assets if the player is you know, not performing anywhere close to the actual dollar number. Then the team, in this case the Nets, would be forced to attach some possibly significant assets to get uh, Ben Simmons off the books. And, you know, what team at this point wants to get into business with Ben Simmons for two years at this kind of money? My guess is none of them, right? Like even in a, rec- even on like a reclamation project, a young team, most, I would say probably at this point, most young teams probably just like sort of like the core that they're building with, right? If you look at Orlando, you know, they, they have to like what they have Apollo and Franz and these guys. Houston, okay, you can talk yourself into the Jalen Green, Shangun uh, era, right? Like going forward. Okay. OKC clearly with Shea and Giddy and the guys that they have over there. So, like young teams who might want to take a flyer, have some cap room, then, you know, you can talk yourself into it. Spurs. Did this, does he, does Ben Simmons strike you as a Spurs guy? I, not, he doesn't to me. Like, I don't, It'd be they. It's not like they have some great young core. They've Keldon Johnson. Maybe you like Trey Jones. But like, do you see? Excuse me, a team like the Spurs coming in and saying, "Hey, we'll take it for you know fifty cents on the dollar if we can even match the contracts, which would be nearly impossible." Like, does that strike you as a situation that looks you know reasonable? It doesn't really to me. And now all of a sudden you start running out of teams because that would even be that would even consider it. And I don't even think those teams would consider it. But any team that has playoff aspirations, let's say, is not going to want to tie 30 plus million, 40 million dollars to their books on the hope that they're able to figure out something that two teams have not really been able to figure out now in Philly and Brooklyn. So is trading him even a reasonable thing? I, I, I fail to see it. The other part of this, too, is really the only way to reclaim some of the trade value is to actually have them play and play well. And they don't seem to want to do that. So if you're not going to want to have them play and you're not going to at least have them go out there and show like, Hey, let's get two months of good basketball, get to the hoop, you know, let's play high volume transition stuff. Let's get after on defense, get out there all the time, 30 minutes a game. Who cares if we win or lose? Like you just try to get yourself back to normal. 
it doesn't look like they're planning to do that. So now there's a chance that you're left with a, a version of Simmons, which is the last thing people saw, which is like what just has happened over the last couple of games with him. And that's what's going to last in people's memory. Again, I went back to that descent, those December and November timelines. Nobody remembers that. Like we watch the Nets every single day. I even I had trouble remembering that because sometimes what have you done for me lately is a core tenant in following sports. And believe me, other teams, even the ones that have steady hands around this and can really see the forest for the trees will struggle to see like any potential value here. So even the part where the nets could actually get back to normal with him, I, I if they're not going to be willing to do that, then I don't know what the the situation here. I don't think a buyout is anywhere on the table to someone mentioned this the other day and to buy out a player, like the player has to agree to a buyout. Why would Ben Simmons agree to a buyout? He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid his money, which I'm not telling him to do that, by the way. I think players should just get the money that they're in their contract. So I'm not even suggesting that that's a move that anyone should consider like on the player side. But these are like the only options. There is a reason these guys with the bad contracts stick with the teams through the end of the contracts, because that is the only option. There are there are no other options. So I think in totality, we're looking at three options here with Ben Simmons. The first option is he becomes a role player for this team, plays 15 minutes a game, doesn't say a word, gets happy with the, you know, with that role. And that's just kind of how they move forward. And they try to just kick this can down the road a season or two. I think that's one version of what can happen. There's another version where he Philly Phillies this thing and, you know, says, I'm not, this is not what I want to do. I don't think it's likely, but again, he's done it once it's on the table. When you've done it once it's on the table. No indication that's going to happen, um, but there is, you know, some. I guess there's some world where it could because it already happened once. Uh, the third one is they they have a change of heart here and begin. Maybe there's an injury or two, and they just kind of, you know, I'm not rooting for injuries, but sometimes playing time opens and things can kind of change, and they start. We start having a new conversation. I would love that. Maybe the timeline helps with the back and with the knees, and he starts looking more like his physical self and just more like you know, an aggressive, at least aggressive player on the offensive end, even if it doesn't look perfect. I don't know if any of these are like totally likely. Is is Ben Simmons playing basketball in, in three years? I, I don't know. <laughs> this is where we are. Is it crazy? I, it, it sounds crazy, but, you know, what's like, what's the end game here? That's really, I think, really, really hard to see. I think it's really hard to see what happens and it's sad. It sucks. Like, I, I don't know another way to put it. If you watch basketball and you've seen Ben Simmons play in the past, this really sucks. It is. It's terrible to see. It's bad for everyone involved, right? Like it's bad. It seems bad for him. It seems bad for the Nets, the Vans, his legacy, like whatever, all of it is not is at its nadir right now at its absolute low point. I don't know what ends up happening here, but I can see a world where it ends kind of like ugly, like not being around the nets, not, not finishing it out. I don't think it's the likeliest outcome. I think the likeliest outcome is he becomes a role player and he plays this role and the minutes are low and we get flashes here and there. And that is kind of the story with him. And maybe that's just the way it's going to end. And maybe, like I said, a month from now, we're talking about something totally different because Ben and Simmons got a new opportunity and he went back to that early season form. The reason we kind of talk about it, though, is because this is a crazy situation. 
it's a, if you're following the Nets and you want the Nets to do well, Ben Simmons is at the core of that. He's talented enough. He has the past history enough with it. And he is a guy that can have impact on the game. It's just not something that we've seen lately. And I'm worried that the Nets are maybe starting to make a final, some final decisions on him going forward. Okay. We will be back after the game on Wednesday evening, and then things start to head into the all-star break. So we'll do some cool stuff over the all-star break. We'll be the Nets play Miami Wednesday night. When you're listening to this, we'll be post gaming after that one. And then we'll kind of get into some of the stuff going into the all-star game. We'll talk a little bit about yeah, maybe some stuff you can, kind of look for for just some of the fun stuff over all-star weekend and then what the second or this last third of the season for the nets includes always get to oh, excuse me make sure you subscribe over on youtube uh really appreciate everyone that's jumped into youtube having a great time on youtube answering questions all post game doing all the live stuff subscribe to youtube make sure you hit notifications so you can get notified when we are going live get those subscriber numbers up totally free for you that's the number way one way to help us this is always the part of the podcast where I forget to get a quote like Adam always does at the end of the podcast because he's one of the great American poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.